sat together sipping coffee in a place that served no wine. Through the glass, the road you watched was for your feet, not mine. There's the promise of the future mixed with sorrow. Welcome to The Exchange, presented by Olam Specialty Coffee, hosted by Mark Inman and Todd Mackey. I'm Mike Ferguson. For you, we are two weeks past Halloween, but here at Olam it is still Halloween as we post up part two of Scary Physical Defects, episode 13 of season two and our 24th podcast. As we join the conversation, Todd is introducing insect damage. The first among several physical defects he will teach us about in some detail, including advanced information on the math behind defects. While Mark talks about scary movies, this is our last official episode of Season 2, though we hope to bring you a few special edition podcasts during the off-season. We will return with Season 3 of The Exchange, presented by Owen Specialty Coffee in May of 2020. And now, here they are, Mark and Todd. But that brings us uh, to severe insect damage, which is, of course, a Category 1 uh, defect. We'll, we'll also deal with slight insect damage at the same mm-hmm. time. So so we have in insect damage, we have, a, of course, a, a number of insects depending on origin, but, but namely the coffee berry borer beetle, uh, or broca as it would be locally um, uh, named in, the, in Spanish-speaking countries. Um, these would be a, a very small uh, insect that that bores into the seed, lays uh, eggs. The larva would then eat its way out. Uh, it creates these sort of tunnels through the seed. Um, of course, the coffee being compromised, the skin having a perforation, the seed having a perforation, lots of moisture, lots of sugar. Um, there can be fermentation, souring, blackening of the beans, depending on how severe this is. But but the way to define insect damage, whether it's severe, which is a, a primary or category one defect, or slight, which is a category two defect, um, is by the number of perforations. So if you count these perforations, um, if you can count to three and or keep going, it is severe insect damage. If you can count to uh, only two or less, then you have what is called slight insect damage. Now, two things you have to look out for. There is, on coffee that's been in storage for a time, a very high likelihood that the embryo has shriveled and fallen out of a seed. Um, And it is one of the most common mispicks as new graders that on the very top, uh, again, opposite the center cut, um, on the back side of a seed, you would see what is like a little uh, hole. Um, if this hole is there, it's not a perforation into the interior of the seed, and it's not discolored from moisture uh, pre the coffee's you know processing and drying. Mm-hmm. Um, this is most likely the absence of the embryo of the seed, and and we get people teaching the queue all the time that this is um, mispicked as slight insect damage. Um, so look out for that. But additionally, we're looking for very specific perforations, three or more, uh, severe insect, uh, up to two, uh, slight insect. And uh, just to give everyone a, a sense of how these classify, this is our first in in a number of different uh, defects that have full equivalents that are not one-to-one. So in the case of the Category 1 severe insect damage, you can have up to five uh, that would equal one full category one defect. 
Um, so just to, to recap, if you have five or more severe insect uh, damaged beans, you would actually disqualify the coffee uh, for, for specialty. In the case of the category two slight insect damage, you could actually have 10 and that would equal one category two defect. So in, the, in a 350 gram sample, you would actually need 60 slight insect damaged beans, that's individual beans with, with one to two perforations from Broca um, to disqualify if that were the only um, defect that was in the sample, 350 grams. But but let's get on to the good part. What, uh, what do you have us uh, aligned with here in terms of uh, scary Halloween film? Well, keeping on the Jeff Goldblum theme, I'm going for the 1986 remake of the classic horror movie, The Fly. Uh, this is a genetic accident gone awry where uh, a man gets uh, fly DNA in his body as he's doing uh, teleportation and he uh, mutates into a fly. Um, interesting thing, though, since 1986, there's been a lot of advancements in genetic uh, uh, technology. I think we're due for a remake for this movie. So uh, any Hollywood producers out there listening to Todd and Mark, uh, A, you know, make a movie about us and give us a giant contract, and B, sure, that'd be yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. But, but aside from that, <laughs> consider remaking The Fly. It was a fantastic movie. Again, uh, the idea of that, you know, your body transforming is terrifying. So that's where I went with that one. This oh, is not the 1958 original. Uh, I think that the 86 version would capture this defect far more accurately. Awesome. Okay. Well, this this uh, is sort of the natural segue to our category two defect. Yes. So to date, you know, or to the moment, I should say, we've talked uh, until slight insect damage of only category one defects. All of these defects, when the full equivalent is reached, whether one-to-one or in the case of severe insect damage, five-to-one, these would disqualify a 350-gram sample for specialty coffee, according to SCA. Now, as we transition into Category 2 defects, the important thing to note is that we, according to the SCA standard, have the allowance of five full equivalent Category 2 defects. So as you're keeping score and as you're grading samples looking forward, make sure to keep that in mind. Um, this allowance uh, is reasonable, and uh, of course these Category 2 defects are uh, named as such because the potential cup severity, um, the roasting issues they might present, uh, for example, it's severe to slight insect damage, uh, change in density, change in the potential uh, characteristics that could be affected by roast. Um, this is exactly why we have this distinction between the two categories of defects. But uh, to start us off for category two defects, mm -hmm. we of course have the <clears throat> the the category two uh, sort of uh, uh, comparable to full black, which is partial black, meaning uh, up to but not exceeding half the surface of the seed is uh, blackened. Um, what do you have for us, Mark, with uh, partial black and not broken, chipped, and cut? No, we're, we're going to get to Oh, okay, we're getting we're, to that. We're, we're... Well, partial black, you threw this, uh, yeah, partial black was a tough one because, I mean, where do you go with this one? Uh, so I went for um, Beetlejuice. I won't do two shows a night anymore. I won't. Because the character Beetlejuice uh, wore a partial a black and white suit in that movie throughout the film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the that is a classic. That's a, cl a great that movie. That is a classic. If, if anyone who's listening, if you have not seen Beetlejuice, my yeah, goodness. turn us off right now, go watch it, then come back to us, yeah. and you'll get what we're talking we'll, about. 
we'll be here later for you. Don't even don't think twice. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that that to me is it's that was quintessentially I mean, it was a pretty horrifying movie, pretty troubling, um, but so fun. And then at the same time, it made like this crossover into the mainstream like it was a breakout film. I mean, obviously, the the acting was fantastic and, and the look was was amazing. But what was it about Beetlejuice that that took it from like like really kind of uh I don't know. I wouldn't. I guess I wouldn't call it horrifying, but you know, certainly a scary movie. Uh, how did it break out? I mean, what, what what what's your take on that, Mark? Why did that movie break out? Yeah. Well, well I think it was you know Michael Keaton at probably the top of his game uh, of uh, sure. you know who is a very funny person. Uh, Gina Davis, of course, is at a, a big point in her career. Uh, along with Alec Baldwin. And then you had Catherine O'Hara from SCTV, who's now in uh, Schitt's Creek, I think is the name of the show she's on, but Canadian comedic actress. And then um, uh, I can't remember his name, the guy who played the principal in Ferris Bueller, who uh, yeah, he was yeah, in that. Yeah. I mean, this it had an incredible cast. Winona Ryder as very, well. Winona Ryder, a very funny cast, uh, great music. You know, it was height of like 80s, 90s kind of, campy goofy movie uh but i think you know michael keaton really carried that film yeah and it's it's this interesting shift from like or combination of you know dark humor i guess it's like this kind of interesting combination of of humor and and you know a horror uh sort of uh scary uh dark uh storyline which which seemed to be like uh something new to the scene but um, yeah, that's that's great. So partial black, uh, same type of potential cup characteristics, same uh, causes and, and, and issues, just uh, not as uh, full a manifestation <clears throat> in the category two partial black is a three to one full equivalent. Um, and uh, when we have three partial blacks, that would equal one category two defect. Um, just to recap again, the full equivalent up to five allowance, this would mean we would need 18 uh, partial blacks to disqualify a specialty coffee. Again, if that's the only defect, uh, unlikely, but if it were the only defect you were to find in a 350 gram sample. So moving on, we, we have the same type of recognition for a, a partial sour, which is, again, uh, not more than half the, the seed covered in uh, in sour or uh, manifest the sour defect so what do you have for us mark for that well that one i have the 1978 john DeBello classic attack of the killer tomatoes attack of the killer tomatoes attack because a lot of those tomatoes were probably pretty sour and um, uh, as they were killing people so partially sour tomatoes can have a sourish edge to it so uh, a classic uh, film that had the hit song Puberty Love in it. So if you could uh, catch that movie, it's a good late 70s kind of campy B-movie horror film. The tomatoes are hurling themselves yes. at people? Yeah, they're them? attacking them via air, which you know offstage it was just stage hands throwing tomatoes at people. But, and they would latch so onto it, your neck and start to chew it, you know, your juggler vein. That, and, no, yeah, they would be they holding had, the tomato near their neck and, and screaming and... But they didn't. They they were just like nameless, faceless tomatoes. It was there. There wasn't like a gang of. Yeah. Tomatoes. Oh, there were there were thousands of them. Yeah. 
but they were completely unanimous, like uh, anonymous. Sorry. You, so you you know you're not like oh man Joey that one. Oh really no 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 bad. yeah no they were just it was almost like you know insert alien film. Uh, you know it uh it it could have been you know anything but it, it happened to have been tomatoes. Uh, the poster has a tomato with big teeth on it. Uh, although in the movie, I don't remember teeth being involved, but they you know, somehow attacked you and, and chewed on you and made you bleed. Huh. But I don't remember seeing actual teeth in the movie. Interesting. Yeah. I'm surprised that, uh, you know, I mean, we have a great, like, local farm culture. I'm sure, you know, Northern California the same. I'm surprised there's not, like, you know, the CSAs don't play with that for, like, those few weeks in the summer where there's only tomatoes in your basket? Oh, I think that you there know? there like, are... I, I looked it up when I was doing the research here. There are... There is the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes Festival, which is a tomato festival, not necessarily a movie thing. So farmers markets have, have goofed on this, uh, you know, in their own... Good, own good. Marketing. Well, few. That's, that's good to know. I mean, we need to see something like that on the East Coast. Um, all right, so same... And there's uh, actually a Nintendo game... Uh, for the Game Boy, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes game. So you could play that. <laughs> so we have Partial Sour, 3 to 1, full equivalent, uh, Category 2 defect. Moving on, we have Broken, Chipped, and Cut. Now, Broken, Chipped, and Cut is a really common defect to see um, in coffees that are you know washed and mechanically processed. This would be uh, damage that might be introduced by a depulper, um, and in this case, discolored, whereas you might get a similar but different breaking or chipping, cutting uh, in uh, the process of dry milling uh, green coffee, uh, but the coffee would be low enough in moisture where you wouldn't see the same sort of discoloration. You, uh, in grading, would, would identify all of these uh, physical issues, uh, align them, and uh, you know count them together, and you can recognize them as a Category 2 defect when you have five um, individual beans so it's a five to one full equivalent uh, category two defect what is our movie mark the 1974 classic directed by tobe hopper hooper actually is his name uh texas chainsaw massacre because he was a broken man who chipped and cut people up with a chainsaw hundred and forty thousand dollar budget uh, for a movie that's made well more than that in returns. My goodness. I mean, talk about a cult oh, classic. Yeah. That is, there is no debate. And a sequel. Uh, they had a sequel and, to that movie at one time. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you would put that movie in a Category 2 slot, given its, it's, its prominentness and severity. Yeah. But, but obviously, I mean, Broken Chip Cut is no joke. If, you know, if we're talking, you know, the worst of the worst in this case, or, you know, grinder-grade copies... Right. Uh, out of some origin countries, these are you know almost entirely broken, chipped, and cut. And while some of them can have a decent cup characteristic, they are no joke when it comes to managing in the roaster. If you have a perforated jump, a drum, do not do it. Um, you know if the gapping on your solid drum to your face plate has not been thought uh, about or uh, managed in some time, this could lead to fire and or issues. And of course, the uh, the more common uh, sort of encounter. Here is just a disparity in density and uh, the, the sort of development of the final roast color, um, which you might see uh, vary more in the case of a heavily broken chipped or cut coffee. Um, our next category two defect is immature or unripe. 
Um, this is an issue of coffee that has not developed. It may be due to agricultural or uh, sort of um, a nutritional issue. It might also be because coffee that uh, is being harvested is either strip-picked in the case of mechanically harvested coffees, um, or it's just pulled um, at a point where it's not quite ready to be uh, to be harvested, it, or it shouldn't be for the, the potential quality that we're looking for in the case of specialty. These beans look uh, most typically that lime green color. They're usually undersized, as you might imagine. Um, and the silver skin is not quite ready to, uh, to rub off. So whether with your fingernail or on that grating mat you use, um, you can always rub this um, and you would find that uh, that silver skin wouldn't be quite uh, developed enough to actually rub off, but but enough with the boring stuff, Mark. Where do you put unripe for us? Well, you know, I the my initial thought was to go for the original uh, movie Child's Play with the the doll Chucky, uh, but I'm actually going for the uh, what year was that movie? Oh, 1998 film, The Bride of Chucky, because the jokes were very mm. immature. Uh, as well as the characters very immature. So I'm going for The Bride of Chucky, 1988 film. Sorry, Jack. Chucky's back. That kept the same character as Chucky, but introduced a, a, a female doll, which was voiced by the wonderful actress Jennifer Tilly, who's also a professional poker player. Wow, I did not yes, know that. Yes, very highly ranked. Man, you... Who do you have on the team digging all this stuff up? I mean, uh, what what a force. You guys are... Crushing. People who also serve on the board of directors of the Criterion Collection. So you the same... Uh, <laughs> they are part of my advisory board for this show. <laughs> well, thank yeah. goodness. Um, where do we run into unripe coffee? I'm most typically in coffees that are plantation grown and mechanically harvested. Mm -hmm. uh, the vast majority of coffee that a specialty roaster is probably going to see unripes in uh, is Brazil coffee. Um, this is uh, not an unusual happenstance. If you're wondering what you might run into for, uh, for cup characteristics, this is uh, going to be either hay-like uh, and... Uh, these coffees uh, would typically be associated with Quakers or, or coffees that don't roast because they don't have the constituents, the sugars and other organic materials to develop in the roaster at the same rate as uh, fully mature coffee seeds. Um, but you're also going to uh, see the potential of astringency or a drying uh, type of cup characteristic. If you are unfamiliar or curious to better calibrate your expectation around the, the description, quote unquote, astringency, um, go to the grocery store, buy a green banana, as green as you can find it, and take a bite of that. Uh, that is a great example of what uh, astringent uh, coffee would taste like. That is immature. It is a 5 to 1 Category 2 um, full equivalence. Uh, and uh, that brings us to withered coffee. Withered is, of course, a nutritional deficiency or lack of water. Uh, during the development of the seed. These coffees uh, would look on the back rounded side of the bean, uh, almost raisined, um, and they, of course, are undersized, uh, lack the type of uh, organic material to develop in the roaster, typically um, would char or scorch, um, and, of course, they don't look very appealing in the green. They are a 5 to 1 Category 2 defect mark. Where do you have us with withered? Well, withered was easy because if you look at the classic pictures of withered beans, 
It reminds me so much of the 1932 Boris Karloff classic, The Mummy. And uh, nothing says Halloween like that movie. Um, so, yes, the Boris Karloff classic, the 1932 The Mummy, not The Mummy meets Al- Abbott and Costello, uh, not the Brandon Fraser nightmare uh, that came out uh, years later. Uh, you have to go to the classic. Uh, this brings us to the next Category 2 defect, which is Shell, um, often called Elephant Ear uh, for the, the sort of likeness of the outside piece of the shell. Um, this is a just a naturally occurring uh, genetic defect that uh, comes up in some varieties more than others. I mean, you, it's not unusual to see this in SL varieties um, coming from Kenya and now that they're being cultivated other places. But... Um, the shell, of course, uh, is uh, manifest as a, almost like a little S-curve on the back of an oversized seed um, where two pieces uh, will essentially break apart. If they're separate, they can be counted each as uh, an instance of the shell defect. Five shells would equal one full Category 2 defect. And what should we be scared of uh, or use uh, as uh, our Hollywood reference mark for shell? Well, that would be the 1973 spooky film, The Exorcist, with Linda Blair. It burns! Oh, it burns! Uh, Because when she was possessed, she was a shell of a human being. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. We could do this all day long. <laughs> the uh, the next category two defect is my personal favorite uh, when it comes to category twos. If I may, you have myself, a you have a favorite. This one is just a lot of fun, and uh, you know it's just because it's such a clever name. It, we're talking about floaters, mm-hmm. and the reason these are called floaters is because they'll float. This is a seed that is. Uh, going to affect the parent, uh, the appearance of the green. It's usually gray, white, bloated, uh, somewhat oversized, uh, faded in color. Um, but these coffees are not going to roast consistently. Uh, they're they're not as dense as a properly developed seed. Um, and you know, if you're floating coffee as a matter of classification in the cherry form, this is what you would be skimming off the top. Now, this defect is very often overpicked when it comes to new graders, um, so look out. Um, and it's uh, not often that it that it arises, but five of these would equal one full defect. Um, of course, the issues can be everything from earthy, moldy, damp tastes, uh, you know, hay-like and musty characteristics, uh, but can they can also uh, take on uh, overly roasty and, and carbony characteristics as well. Um, what do you have for us, Mark? For well, floater was an easy one because I, 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 this was one of the out of the gate. I knew how to match this one. Uh, it was the uh, where is the oh nineteen yeah nineteen eighty movie with William Hurt called Altered States, where he was a, a psychologist who was experimenting with sensory deprivation tanks, <laughs> where people floated and took uh, hallucinogenic drugs to uh to no nothing good happened and nothing good came of that so um yes the the film has uh, or the the poster for the film has people floating with these kind of uh, tubes sticking in them uh, so it's a creepy poster mm. it's a very creepy movie and uh, being a child of california where a lot of people had sensory deprivation tanks in their garages it was something that i i was all too familiar of growing up 
I was gonna say this sounds like a like a like a normal Saturday afternoon. For you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If this movie would have been set in Marin <laughs> County, I would have believed it. <laughs> Floater. There you have it. Category two, five to one, full equivalent, which brings us to parchment. What do you have for us for parchment? Well, parchment, I have a very terrible 2005 movie called Locus, the Eighth Plague. The only star in that movie worth anything was. Uh, MTV's Dan Cortez, a uh, really bad film. All right. If you yeah. remember Dan Cortez, um, <laughs> and the locust came from these kind of uh, these kind of husky. Uh, um, uh, I don't know what you would call it. What the locusts are born from, but uh, yeah, they they were they were they were hatched out of these uh, parchment-looking kind of uh, eggs. So. Yeah, no, and and that brings us to uh, a fair kind of understanding of what parchment looks like. I mean, this is the pergamino that coffee uh, is inside. It's it's uh, a seed uh, skin, if you will, that um, that protects the seed and would would most typically uh, the coffee would be dried in this, uh, you know, in all but very few origins. Um, and it's supposed to be dry milled off or, you know, de-hulled. De That's a part of the dry milling process that would remove the parchment. Um, so the parchment defect is actually when the seed is still inside the parchment itself. That we call parchment coffee. Um, it's going to affect the appearance of the green. It's going to, of course, roast uh, potentially differently uh, or, you know, introduce that thick papery husk that you would not want in your finished roasted coffee. Um, so that is parchment. Five to one equals one category two mm -hmm. defect. Uh, and related to parchment and related to uh, pod uh, that we talked about as a category one defect is the hull or husk. Yes. This is our final category two defect. It is a five to one full equivalence. Um, and where did you point us? Mark. Well, wrapping it up, I, I went back to Stephen King, one of his classics, the 1984 movie Children of the Corn. Because corn uh, has husks. Because <laughs> corn has husks. <laughs> Classic. Hull uh, and husk, of course, the cup issues are, are potentially serious. Uh, and, of course, roasting something like this is dubious, low moisture, dry material, uh, potentially small fragments, um, but we can get everything from musty, earthy characteristics to moldy, damp, fermented, uh, potentially phenolic taste, given the fact that you're talking, in the case of the the husk itself, with the cherry um, skin and material, um, this is a high-sugar, you know, uh, fruit that uh, has been dried and, and can introduce these types of uh, more agricultural and moldy flavors, mm -hmm. but um, in the case that you just have, you know, the hull, the parchment material, um, you know, this is certainly very flammable, will, will, you know, ignite much faster than a, than a coffee seed would. Um, so coffees that you might be finding lots of this material in would be a, a danger in the roaster that way. Um, all that said, five of these would equal one full category two defect. Now, just to, to wrap uh, again and to remind listeners... Up to five Category 2 defects are allowed, according to SCA, in a specialty coffee sample of 350 grams. Um, so we're making essentially a count of the entire physical defect inventory, every singular instance. Um, we are tallying and, uh, and doing our full equivalent uh, crossover, meaning if we have six hulls or husks, we have one full Category 2 defect. There is no rounding according to the standard. So I need 
10 to make 2. If there's 11, I still have 2. If there are 12, I still have 2, and so on. Um, and uh, if we have Category 1 defects of any kind, um, we do not have a SCA specialty coffee according to this standard. So again, keep in mind these standards are... Um, you know, these defects are going to be found according to any standard, whether you're looking at, uh, you know, the the typical, uh, you know, uh, fine cup preparation 1718 in Brazil all the way to a grade one, uh, grade three in Ethiopia. They, these are going to be defects that are considered, but they're going to be classified and, and the inventory would be analyzed a different way according to a different grade in different place. Um but, uh, you know, certainly if you have requirements or needs in the prep of your green coffee, if you have uh, things that you're more worried about given your, you know, infrastructure, equipment capacities, um, or lack thereof, you know, these are critical to engage uh, people you're working with um, as we take uh, a very close look and, and understand grades that we're contracting uh, in a more intimate way, and we can certainly help you steer clear from things that shouldn't be uh, a consideration before you get into cupping at all. But any final words, uh, Mark, for our listeners uh, for this year's scary defects? <laughs> final word again at uh, Blockbuster, 20% off any of these films for the month of October. <laughs> Just mention Todd and Mark, and uh, they'll be happy to do that. Even throw in a free bag of microwave popcorn. What a, what a deal. deal, Mark. Well, I I have a lot of watching to do, as I'm sure many of our listeners do. I can't thank you enough for uh, another successful iteration of our uh, scary defect episode, a fit with uh, a list of a laundry list of fantastic movie recommendations for us to to chomp on uh, leading up to and, and beyond this Halloween. So I'll let you walk us out, but thanks everyone for listening. It's been fantastic. Yeah, and another great episode, Todd, of The uh, the Exchange. This is uh, probably one of my favorite episodes to do each year, the Halloween episode. Looking forward to next year, Todd, if you give me a hint of what we're going to be working on, I could get started with my crew around February uh, and, and be ready to go by October. So uh, for The Exchange, this is Mark Inman. With Todd Mackey and producer Mike Ferguson, we wish you a very happy Halloween. Though you may have your doubts, you've been listening to The Exchange, presented by Olin Specialty Coffee, hosted by Mark Inman and Todd Mackey, directed by Mike Ferguson. Our opening theme was Coffee Shop by David Silva. Our closing theme is Coffee Dance by Heinz Newman. All music is used under Creative Commons. And that's it. We're out. This is the official end of Season 2. Thank you for being one of the 20,000 plays we've received over two seasons. And we'll see you occasionally until May when we launch Season 3 of The Exchange. And now, your postscript. You can pull the old Ed McMahon like, ha, 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 you are correct, sir. You know, where you're just feigning interest in the story.